Welcome to the Neighborhood Church Podcast. We are so thankful that you are listening in. The Neighborhood Church is all about helping people find and follow Jesus. We hope that through these podcasts you are encouraged, that you're inspired, and that you're provided with practical wisdom on how to find and follow Jesus. We hope that you enjoy today's podcast. Tweet number one on friends, family, and relationships. Discipline your son, and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. That's how the New International Version makes it uh, read. Let's uh, read it out of English Standard Version to discipline your son, and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. This proverb is talking about uh, family relationships and particularly parent-child relationships. And there's a reminder here that our job is not to be our kid's best friend. We're not called to be their friends. We are ultimately called to be their parent. And parents have a responsibility to discipline. So what is discipline? Well, the Pediatric Child Health Journal wrote in January of 2004, discipline is the structure that helps the child fit into the real world happily and effectively. So you need to, and Jesus made disciples, disciple discipline. You need to be helping your children uh, move towards adulthood and successfully navigate life. That's primary responsibility of parents. And of course, as Christians, we understand a big part of that is helping them uh, know and understand God's ways. When I was growing up, part of my parents' understanding of, uh, of doing that was controlling the television. I had two uh, sisters. Most of the time I was growing up, my youngest sister was born when I was 12. And we were allowed in our home nine hours of television a week. I got to choose three hours, and my other sisters got to choose three hours. So the TV was only on nine hours a week. And looking back as a child, I had no idea why my parents were doing that. There seemed to be a lot of good stuff on TV, and I had to make choices about what I was going to watch. We did that as a family exercise every Saturday afternoon when the Calgary Herald arrived. We took out the week's uh, listing of what's on TV, and I got to choose my three hours. In the hockey season, it was really, really, really easy. I used two and a half hours of it for Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday night. 
Now we've got another thing floating around called social media. And our approach to it seems to be quite different. Actually, our approach to television is quite different. We just turn the thing on about 7.30 in the morning and the last one to bed turns it off. And uh, social media works uh, fairly uh, similarly in, uh, in many situations and many homes. But social media has some uh, unique effects on, on our kids and particularly our, uh, our teenagers. Uh, and I ran across an article this week in Very Well Family a medic, uh, by Sherry Gordon. And she shares five ways that social media is affecting our teens' mental health. And the first one is depression. First one is depression. Rates of depression and anxiety among teenagers has increased 70% in the past 25 years. So depression is going up uh, with the increased use of, of social media. Teenagers are experiencing a level of anxiety, I think, that many of us knew nothing about when we were growing up. Um, they live with this anxiety, this need to quickly respond to everything that's put on social media, everything that shows up. On, I gotta respond quickly because all my friends respond quickly. There's anxiety about uh, uh, making sure your friends are liking uh, the things you post as much as uh, everyone else is liking the things the other people, they live in this anxiety about social media. The third thing that, and I couldn't believe this one, sleep deprivation. One-fifth of teens, more girls than guys, but one-fifth of teens almost always wake up during the night and log into social media. No wonder our teachers are having trouble keeping students awake. Um, this thing is beginning to control lives. Fourthly, uh, envy. This, there's this comparis comparison competition going on all the time. Uh, am I doing as many exciting things? Is my family as nice as her family? Does my family go to as many things? Do I have as many people who are friends, etc., etc.? And then communication becomes a huge issue. Uh, according to this article by Sherry Gordon. And, and a big part of that, she said, is a teen cannot see a person's facial expressions or hear their tone of voice online. As a result, it's very easy for misunderstandings to occur. And for this reason, as they get older, friendships and dating relationships can suffer when social media has taken center stage in a person's life. As a result, teens risk having relationships that are not deep or authentic because they're not used to responding to real people. And all of the body language and facial expressions that you pick so much up from. So why do I go there after talking about parents uh, disciplining their children? Uh, I could have gone probably in a hundred different directions, but Parents, I challenge you to, to discipline your kids in this area of their lives. Um, they need structure. 
And if we don't bring structure, uh, they get to a point when they're supposed to be effective functioning adults, they, they suffer, they struggle, they don't know what to do. So parents, don't be your kid's best friend, be their parents and discipline them and uh, even apply that in the area of uh, social media in your house. Tweet number two. A righteous man is cautious in friendship, but the wicked leads them astray. New King James Version reads like this. The righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. Who you hang out with will determine who you become. Who you hang out with will determine who you become. We can learn a lot from Lot. I thought that up myself. We can learn a lot from Lot. And here's a little bit that we can learn from uh, Lot. 2 Peter 2, 7 and 8, New King James Version. Uh, Delivered righteous Lot. I start there in the story. How is Lot described by Peter here? Lot is described as righteous. Who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing uh, their lawless deeds. So here's a righteous man... But what was happening in his life? He was being affected by who he was hanging out with. He was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. Now, Lot, uh, Lot's story centers in some measure around a community, a city called Sodom. So let me read you a little bit of that story. Genesis chapter 13, verses 10 to 13. Lot looked up and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt towards Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east. This is where he's going to live. The two men parted company, Abraham and him parted, parted. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. So why does Lot choose Sodom? Well, it's a beautiful place. It's lush, it's green, all the bushes are trimmed perfectly, the homes are painted. Looks like a wonderful place to hang out. It's gorgeous. So he begins to hang out there. Notice where he's hanging out. He is hanging out near Sodom. Near Sodom. We go on in the story to Genesis chapter 14, and things have changed a little bit. They also carried off Abram's nephew Lot and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. So he starts off kind of near Sodom and he ends up in Sodom. 
careful who you hang out with. It creates problems. Sometimes you're best to stay a long ways away from fire. But he's settled near the fire, near uh, Sodom, ended up living in Sodom. And then you go along in the story to Genesis 19, and two angels arrive at Sodom in the evening. And where is Lot now? He's sitting in the gateway of the city. Uh, when he saw the angels, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. But who's at the gateway of the city? The community leaders are there. The guys who are kind of in charge are at the gate. So what's happened in Lot's life? Lot has moved from being near Sodom to being in Sodom to being one of the, the bigwigs. And the other guys who are at the gate see these wonderful angels show up probably don't recognize them for what they are. And they see the warm greeting that Lot gives to them. And, and they say to Lot, arrange for us to have a homosexual affair with them. And Lot's response was, I couldn't do that. So you can have sex with my daughters instead. Hardly sounds like a righteous man, you become who we begin to hang around with. And so he uh, tells the angels, or the angels observe what's going on. They said, Lot, that's silly, that's stupid, that's not bright, that's not smart, that's not righteous, that's not godly. And he says, you just get out of here. Forget, forget about uh, providing anything. And so Lot and his wife, and two daughters start leaving the city. And you know the story. They're leaving the city. And uh, Lot's wife turns around because uh, she kind of liked Sodom. And when she turns around, what happens to her? She turns into a pillar of salt. And God comes down and God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah. We read earlier tonight that Sodom was destroyed. Sodom was burnt to the ground. And now Lot's girls are with dad. And there's no man around. No hope of marriage. And they uh, get dad drunk. And dad ends up uh, providing some sperm and becomes the father of his daughter's kids. Pretty big mess. Pretty big mess. <laughs> Could have went anywhere, but he, he went to Sodom. He didn't get right in there. He knew the reputation. He hung out outside of Sodom, but pretty soon he was suck in, sucked in by the vortex of it, and he's in it. And then he's actually sitting amongst the guys providing leadership to this den of iniquity. Be careful, friends. Be careful who you hang out with. Choose your friends wisely. Smart people choose their friends wisely. Who you hang out with determines who you become. 
tweet number three. Do not associate with a man given anger or go with a hot-tempered man. You'll learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. New Living Translation says, don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people or you'll learn to be like them and endanger your soul. There's, there's another lesson here. Not only be careful who you hang out with, but the lesson here, taking it a step further, is be careful who you hang out with because you become like them. You become like them. We learn the ways of the people we hang out with. You hang out with an angry person, you have the potential of becoming a angry person. As a couple, if you hang out with a really disgruntled couple who don't like each other and are complaining about each other, you spend enough time with them and you're not going to be liking each other anymore. There's actual statistics that show the likelihood of you getting a divorce increases if one of your friends gets a divorce. We are affected by the people we hang out with. So, so be careful who you hang out with. And if you want to be an iron man, be a man who hangs out with iron. Iron sharpens iron. As and one man sharpens another. So tweet four. I promised you four tweets. New King James Version. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Reading that out of the English Standard Version, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So I looked at those two versions and I said, well, this is weird. New King James says a man who has friends must himself be friendly. And the English Standard Version takes the same Hebrew phrase and translates it, a man of many companions may come to ruin. So I looked at about 25 versions and I found they're pretty evenly split. Half of them kind of go where King James and New King Jimmy went and about half of them go where ESV goes. So I don't know what to do with it except to suggest that sometimes uh, maybe both meanings are right. So I want to share some of the tension of this verse with you in light of that tension. And, and the first point of tension I would share with you is if you want to have friends, you have to be friendly. I've got no friends. Nobody likes me. Nobody talks to me. Well, the place I would start, if that is true, is start talking to people. If you want to have friends, be friendly. One of the best experiences that I absolutely hated when it happened was my parents moved out of Calgary after my first semester of high school and moved to the community of Barhead, Alberta. I have to show up at a new school for my second semester of high school. And I said, now what do I do? And I'm an introvert. I just decided 
I was going to say hi to as many people as I run into. And I just started saying hi. And pretty soon I felt pretty comfortable at school because when you're, so that, I don't know, do they still do it that way in high school? Between classes, you have to walk down the hallway, go to a new room? You know, well, when I'm walking down the hallway now, going to the next class, I got scores of people saying hi to me every time I'm walking down the hallway and I'm the new guy in the town. You wanna have friends be friendly. Second truth that comes out of this is having too many friends can ruin you. So have some friends, make some friends, but if you have too many friends, it can ruin you. And the reason it can ruin you, we all only have the capacity to keep so many people happy at once. And if you're trying to keep too many happy, it can really mess you up. And then the third truth uh, of this verse is sometimes friends make better friends than some family members. Now, I've been raised in a tradition that says that what this verse is talking about is Jesus. Jesus is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. I think that's true, but I think it's really hard to get out of this verse. And if God has brought into your life some friends that are true friends and real friends, stick to them as if they're gold because sometimes they'll ride through storms that family won't even ride through you with. Sometimes friends make better friends than, than some family members. So there's four tweets from uh, the book of Proverbs, from the wisdom of King Solomon about friends and family and relationships. I think this is a really important subject because at the neighborhood, we value relationships. We've always valued relationships. Valuing relationships is part of who we are. People matter to us. And I'm convinced one of the greatest things we can do to reach North Saskatoon, to reach the rest of this city, to reach Osler, to reach Dalmany, to reach Martinsville, to reach Mormon for Christ, is for us to determine <laughs> to be really good friends. It's not complicated. We're just going to be really good friends, not just with each other, but we're going to be really good friends in our community, and we're going to be a welcoming house that makes people feel welcome when they get here. Can you imagine with me tonight? What would happen if word got out in this city? Word got out in this city that if you really need a friend, one of the best possible places to go is that neighborhood church. Can you imagine what would happen if that became the word out there, the word on the street? 
And if they started coming and they're saying, that's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Those people loved me and they taught me how to live. Those people taught me what friendship looks like. Those people taught me about purity of life and they taught me how to really live and and have fun in life. What would happen if the church had that kind of reputation? We want to be friends with Saskatoon and Mormon and Martinsville. We have to prove ourselves friendly. We uh, have a tremendous opportunity as the church in Martins at the church venue in in Martinsville, uh, one of the fastest growing cities in Canada. At one point, it was the fastest growing city in Canada. And God allows us to be there, and we need to be really, really good friends to Martinsville. I hear language like this once in a while I want to go to the big church I don't want to go to the small church well it's all the neighborhood church all the neighborhood church wonder what would happen if some of us would respond perhaps to the tugging of the Holy Spirit and saying I'll go up there and I'll be a friend in Martinsville and help that church and that community be reached for Christ in a real and powerful way So much of ministry is rooted in us being friends. Missionary to Africa named uh, Milton Cunningham got on an airplane and sat down beside a young lady who was Down syndrome. And he was just getting comfortable and the girl said to him did you brush your teeth this morning he looked at her and said yes I did she said that's good people are supposed to brush their teeth and then she said to him do you smoke and he said no I don't smoke that's good smoking's not good for you And then she said to him, do you love Jesus? And uh, he said, yes, I love Jesus. And she said, that's good. Everybody should love Jesus. Well, if you've been on a plane lately, they cram you in there, and there were three seats there, and another man came to sit down in that row, too. And when he got comfortable, this young lady looked at Missionary Cunningham and said, ask him if he brushed his teeth this morning. And he wasn't really comfortable asking the question. She said, come on, ask him if he brushed his teeth. So finally, he said to the gentleman, did you brush your teeth today? And he said, yes, I did. She said to him, that's good. It's good for people to brush their teeth. And she said to missionary Cunningham, 
Ask him if he smokes. And he thought that was a little intrusive, so he wasn't really willing to ask the question. But she wasn't one to let go of an important subject easily, so she said to him, come on, ask him. So finally she asked, he asked the third guy on the road, do you smoke? And he said, no, I don't. And she said, that's good. And then she said to the missionary, Milton, who had given his life to helping people discover Jesus as Lord and Savior, said, now you ask him if he loves Jesus. And he said, uh, I don't think that would be appropriate. Come on! It's important. And global worker, missionary, Milton Cunningham wasn't comfortable asking his new seat buddy if he loved Jesus. But this was a persistent young lady. And she said, come on, ask him. She wouldn't let him go. So finally, Milton gave in to her persistence and asked her, asked him, Sir, do you love Jesus? And his face darkened. Sadness came over him and he said, No, I don't. But I've thinking, been thinking a lot lately about my need to get to know God. And Milton, Milton, Milton Cunningham, as a result of his very persistent seating partner, led a man to Jesus on that airplane that day. True story. Friends, the neighborhood church is committed to helping people find and follow Jesus. I would suggest to you that if we're really good friends, it's not a subject we hide under a bushel. <laughs> it's not a subject we're afraid to bring up over lunch not afraid subject we're afraid people will find out that we actually go to church on the weekend well, that's strange but friends who have good news friends who know something that can change people's lives are happy to share it that's what good friends do that's what good friends do and so as we wind down tonight and Worship band comes and leads us in a, in a closing song. I invite you to stand. And I'm going to ask you the question that the young lady asked Missionary Cunningham on the airplane. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Thank you.
We are so thankful that you've listened in to the Neighborhood Church podcast. If you have questions or comments about what you've heard, we would love to hear from you. Go to the podcast description and follow the link to get in touch with us. Everything we do would not be possible without your generosity. If you would like to give, check out that same link in the podcast description. If you have enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.